couple of years ago, I was at a uh, clergy conference in the diocese. We usually have them, uh, usually twice a year, the priests will get together. Um, this was before COVID. And um, we usually meet out at the seminary in Huntington. And I remember one, one time we were there and uh, we were having lunch. Myself and a table full of uh, priests. They were all pastors at this table. And uh, one of the guys asks the rest of us, uh, he said, what, what time do you lock your church every day or night? You know, what time do you lock it up? And uh, we kind of went around. You know, most guys were, uh, you know, late afternoon, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Some guys were later, um, 9 o'clock. Um, and then this one guy uh, sort of kind of waited till we all said what we had to say. And then he said very kind of matter-of-factly, he locks the door all day. It's always locked. Uh, right after the Mass in the morning, um, he locks it up. And um, this guy was kind of annoying. He's a kind of a know-it-all, to be honest with you. Um, and then he proceeded to tell us why you just absolutely should not keep your church open during the day. And, uh, you know, he said people, people come in and they'll try to rip off the poor boxes. Uh, up here you got the candles and there's money that you, you put in for a candle. Same thing. He said uh, sometimes you have homeless people that'll end up kind of camping out in the church. Um, so he was just very, like, definitive. He just, there's no way you can do this. And I know the rest of us were thinking, like, no. Like, you're right. Those things happen. Yeah, they happen here sometimes. You know, if you got a poor box, that means you're going to have money in it. And somebody who's kind of desperate knows that. And they're going to try and, they're going to try and get money out of it. Or same thing up here. Um, somebody gets a um, takes a coat hanger and opens it up and then try to, tries to fish money out of it. Um, hope I'm not giving anybody any ideas. <laughs> Please don't do that. But, um, and even, you know, people, people are on the street. Sometimes they'll, you'll come in and they're kind of sleeping in the back or whatever. And, you know, it's not like we ignore it. We got camera there. And, you know, when, when it's an issue, we try to, we'll, we'll address it. I'm not going to let people steal from us, but it's just not. Add all that up together, and it just doesn't equal, I think, justifying keeping the church locked. Um, you got to keep the church open. You got to keep the church open during the day. Um, and the, the craziness of that guy was he was in a parish in a very nice neighborhood. Like, he was not like in a, a sketchy neighborhood where more of that stuff might be happening, people on the streets and whatever. Um, I mean, nobody was breaking into his church doing that. But you got to keep them open. Um, because sometimes we just need to be here. Beyond, like right now, beyond Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Saturday night, beyond the weekend mass. I mean, that's most important. But it's not the only time that we need to be here. Stuff happens, right? in the course of life where like you hit with something and you just like, man, I, I gotta pray. I need, I need to pray for something in my life and my situation. I need to, uh, someone else that I know, like, and you just come here and I just think we find, we find something here. You come in and you just, in the quiet, you know, you stare at that crucifix 
and you connect your worries to his, your suffering to his, you get this, you're reminded that, man, he knows what I'm going through, whatever that might be. Maybe you come up and you do light a candle, you know, and you kneel in front of her and, you, you know, you, 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 you're just talking to the Blessed Mother, just please help me with this. I think sometimes it's just the, you know, you breathe in the quiet and the peace of a beautiful church, and it just takes you to a, a place you need to be. Um, I think sometimes our best conversations with God happen here in the quiet when we're alone. I was in the city on Friday. I went in with a friend uh, just for the day, kind of to walk around. It was a beautiful day. And we, were, uh, we went to uh, St. Francis Church right by the garden. And uh, I wanted to go to confession. And I know that they have confessions throughout the day. So um, we went, and they don't actually have them all the time now. It's they have them a couple of times, like an hour clip throughout the day. So when we got there, we went into the church, hung out for a bit, and then realized they weren't hearing them then. But then they were like at four o'clock, they were going to be back. So we said, all right, we'll, we'll kind of hang out in the city, and then we'll catch the train. Before that, we'll, we'll go back in, and I'll get to confession. And I did. Um, so because of that, I was like in that church twice, probably for, you know, 10 minutes, and then maybe later in the day, about 15 minutes. And it was just really, really interesting to see the people who came in to make a visit. Um, it was like the whole world came in, you know, all ages and shapes and sizes and colors and back, backgrounds. It was just like, it was great. It was so great to see the numbers of people and again, sort of the variety. And I was watching them at points. I was just like, kind of like, just wondering, like, I wonder what, wonder why he's here or she's there, here. And they was, a couple of times they were reminding me of people that I know, just kind of the way they looked. So I started intentionally saying, all right, let me, let me think of people I know who've asked me to pray for them, for something in their life. And maybe this person I'm looking at here will remind me of them and I'll, I'll remember to pray for them. So this kid walked in who kind of caught my attention. He looked like he was uh, definitely in high school, probably like a senior, maybe a junior. He was wearing a, uh, like a sports jacket. He's on a team of some kind. You could just tell. And I was thinking, man, I wonder what this kid's doing in here. And it was so great, very impressive. Came in there for about three or four minutes, head down, clearly in prayer, and got up, genuflected, and then left. Um, and I was thinking of a kid that I had a conversation with a while ago, but I remembered it. And he was talking to me about the pressures he feels. He just felt so overwhelmed, this kid. So much going on in his life. People who have, expect too much of him um, in the weight of that. This kid's kind of like a winner. He's a great student, he's a great athlete. Just very personable kid and uh, it feels like he's twisted into a pretzel at times. People pushing him to just kill it in every aspect of his life, to be just the best. And hey, on one level, you want that, right? You want, you know, work to your potential, do the best you can. I'm not saying, you know, do it halfway, but this was like, according to this kid, over the top. I remember him saying to me, I was impressed. He said, you know, I'm, he's like, I'm not making Harvard, 
and I'm not going to make the pros. Like, and he knows he's a good student, and he knows he's a good athlete, but he's not getting Harvard, and he's not making the pros, and he's the only one in his life who kind of is realistic about it. All these other people, coaches and parents and teachers, pushing him. Told me he had a girlfriend who was, wanted him to go to a particular school in a particular city because she was going to be going down there nearby, so he was feeling pressure from her. It's like, too much. So that's why he makes a visit. Because when he comes in, I guess, and things are put in perspective, and he leaves after the visit, and he's just in a better place. There was a woman who was already there. She was in the church before, when I came in. This is in the city. And I'm looking at her for a little bit. Not that I was just staring at these people, but I was just like looking at her for a second and thinking, All right. she reminds me a little of this other person. I remember she telling me, the one I know, telling me about um, this terrible conversation phone call conversation she had with her son, her uh, opioid-addicted son, who's been battling this now for a couple of years, and it's just a, it's a nightmare. And um, she's so manipulated by him. She knows he's, you know, he, she's, been, she's lied, he's lied to her a million times, and she knows she can read him. She knows when he's, when he's doing well, and then she knows when he's not. She can tell by little things that very few notice, but she does. So she called him out on it, and he exploded because she was speaking the truth. And it was ugly. I could tell the way she was talking. It was a horrible, he said horrible things to her and hung up on her. And her husband is, um, I think they have a good marriage, but, you know, they're not always on the same page with this. You know, it's, it's, tor it's a torment. Sometimes he's doing the tough love thing and she's like being a little too soft. Sometimes it's the opposite. Good cop, bad cop. It's like, so they're not always, you know, they're one as a, they're a team, but they're not always, they're not always on the same page. So sometimes she feels alone with that. Her go-to person was her mother. Her mother was this great woman who just would always kind of calm her down and have a word or two of wisdom. But she can't go to her anymore because she, in the last year, her the dementia kind of came out of nowhere, very aggressive. And she's just not the person she once was, certainly not someone you could call to after a terrible conversation like the one she had. So she's feeling her absence in a terrible way. So she makes a visit. All these people make these visits. The guy who comes in with a very well-dressed, you know, clearly sharp guy, corporate kind of look, and he's got a job interview that he is desperate for. He hasn't worked in over a year, and he's starting to panic. He knows he's older and not really so marketable anymore, and he's got like, legitimate expenses and he's getting scared. He's like, God, please let this interview in an hour go well. Please let me click. Let me be on my game. And he makes a visit. Something's going on with these visits. 
Something happens when we make a visit here. And it doesn't have to be here. Hey, it could be it, there are moments of prayer. That's what it comes down to. These places help. They focus us, right? But maybe for somebody, it's on the boardwalk. Somebody, it's in their car or in their room, wherever. But we got to make the visit more than just here now. You know, the gospel I just read, it's... It's a great conversation, Jesus and this guy, Nicodemus. It's the result of a visit. Nicodemus tracks Jesus down because he's heard about him and he's drawn to him. And Nicodemus himself had a, had a pretty good life. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which basically means he was, uh, had a lot of power. He was, like a, was almost like the equivalent of the Supreme Court among, in the Jewish community. He had influence he had the respect of people. He had money. And he's questioning it all because he's heard about this guy. And even from a distance, he's watched him, Jesus. And he's saying things that are contrary to the faith that he's committed himself to. And he's making sense. So now he's second-guessing this life, in a sense, this life commitment. That's a scary place to be, isn't it? I committed pretty much everything to, to this person or this cause, and now I'm wondering, ah, maybe it's not. This guy's saying, making more sense. So he says, I need to find him. And he makes a visit. Oh, you ever feel that way? Like you, there's a person out there that you've, you've heard them talk maybe, or you, you've watched them from a distance, and they, they, you're like, oh man, I, you love what they have to say, or you love what they're about, and you're like, man, I just love to have a cup of coffee with her. I'd love to, like, have a beer with this guy and just pick his brain. That's what Nicodemus does. Actually, he shows up in the gospel three times, Nicodemus. This is the first. Second time is a couple of chapters later. And the Pharisees want, they want Jesus dead. They're like, Let's, we're not even going to put him on trial. We just, we, let's just get him. He's got to be stopped. And Nicodemus says, like, wait a minute. What are you, crazy? You got to give him a trial. You got to give him a hearing. You're just going to sentence him to death? Like, what are, you, what are you thinking? And then the last time he shows up, it's after they have executed him. And he helps bury him. He's got means. He's got money. And he knows he was innocent. And he was more than innocent. So he helps bury him in a sort of a, a dignified way. And like you can see this total progression. The first meeting he showed up at night because he was kind of afraid of people even seeing a connection between him, Jesus, and himself. But he showed up. He made the visit. And each step along the way he becomes a better person. Never really a hero. Like, there were, he could have spoken out more. He could have objected even more to where they were going with Jesus. But he got better. Maybe not quite where he wanted to be, but he got better. There was a progression. That's what happens, I think, when we visit him. We become reassured, reminded of who we are and what we believe in when we're having doubts and questions and maybe there's nobody around us to kind of remind us. He does. 
I think when we make these visits. And it's this famous quote, John 3.16, you know, watch a football game and look at the guy in the end zone with the big sign, JN 316. It's like you almost don't even know, we all pretty much know what it is. You don't even need, all you need is just those numbers, few numbers and letters. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. That, what he says to Nicodemus, I think on some level is why that kid makes the visit in the church or that mother makes the visit in the church or the guy who needs the job makes the visit in the church because they're reminded that we're not alone and that we are loved and he is with us and we will make it. It's easy to forget those things. And it is Lent. And he is here. And the church is open. So make the visit.